Okay, good morning. It's great to be back with you this morning and worshiping with you. Um, if you guys can turn your Bibles to Second uh, uh, Kings 22, that's where we're going to look at uh, this, this morning. We're actually not going to look at a Psalms. It seems like every time I come, we're looking at a, a Psalms, right? So this, this morning, we're going to look at Second Kings chapter 22. And uh, we are going to look at the life of King Josiah, and uh, he's one of those kings that uh, he did right in the eyes of the Lord. If you look at all the kings, uh, a lot of them did evil in the eyes of the Lord, or they did right, but they kind of were status quo with, uh, with a lot of things. But this guy, he did right in the eyes of the Lord. I want to share with you guys a, a quote. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. His name is Matt Papa. He's a worship leader. He's, uh, he's written many books and stuff. And uh, this is what he said. He, he, he says this, if the gospel has never broken you, if the gospel has never broken you, you have never really heard it. Did you hear that? If the gospel has never broken you, uh, you have never really heard it. Um, and that's so true when you look at the life, uh, when you look at your life, uh, I don't know, many times God has broken me down many times. If you've ever prayed for brokenness, he will break you. <laughs> he will break you down. And, um, and that's a good thing, though, because it, it, you have total dependency on him. Let me give you some background a little bit with Josiah, uh, King Josiah. What we see here is that uh, Josiah lived about uh, 640 years before Jesus was born, his birth. Uh, he was eight years old when he took uh, the position of king. Uh, he was, uh, again, he did right in the eyes of the Lord. He sought the Lord as King David had. So that was a good standard. If, if we know King David, King David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, we learn that Zephaniah, Huldah, a prophetess, Habakkuk, and possibly Nahum were prophets at the time. But uh, one that we would probably be familiar with most is uh, Jeremiah. And he was our, the weeping prophet, and he was there at that time during King jo jo Josiah's reign. I'm sorry, jo yeah, King Josiah's reign. Um, he, uh, during that time, though, there was a lot of uh, influence of idolatry in there uh, at that time, and uh, they had to deal with a lot of that. And in Jeremiah 5, 30 through 31, it says here, it says that a horrible and shocking thing, this is what Jeremiah said, has, has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy lies. Uh, the priests rule by their own authority, and my people love it this way. But what will you do in the end? It says in Jeremiah. They learned to love their lies about God, and they lost their uh, ability to recognize his voice. It was pretty bad times. Um, at, at that time. And so because of that, God says this. Uh, he said this in Jeremiah 6.10. He says this, To whom can I speak and give warning, he said. And who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. And the word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. That's what the Lord said to the people through Jeremiah. So people basically forgot about God. They forgot about God and they lost their taste of his words. They, 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 they lost it. They didn't want anything to do with it, really. Um, they forgot what he had done for them and even what he had commanded of them, and they started to invent their own gods. It's pretty, pretty, bad, pretty bad times. Um, they would borrow ideas from pagan cultures, and they made up gods that, and let them live how they wanted to, 
how they wanted to live. And uh, immorality and justice were everywhere. Injustice were everywhere. Every level of society, from marriage to legal systems to, to religion to politics, it was all corrupt. It was all corrupt at that time. But the crazy thing, in the midst of this chaos, there arose a king, King Josiah, who did right in the eyes of the Lord. Um, he was king of Judah. He reigned for 31 years. Um, and his name means Yahweh will give. Yahweh will give. Um, and so how did he do right in the eyes of the Lord? Here's some more background. I, I, I wanted to share this because I think it's important to, to know the context of who this king is. Uh, Josiah's grandfather was Manasseh, okay? Uh, he was a wicked king. I, I find this fascinating. I, I don't know if you've ever studied kings. These are just fascinating things. But he was a wicked king. He started his reign when he was 12 years old, and he reigned for 55 years, uh, he, built, he rebuilt the high places, and uh, he erected uh, altars for Baal, set up Asherah poles, um, worshipped the stars, the moon, and the sun. Uh, he also practiced witchcraft, um, and he also sacrificed some of his sons as well, um, and that was a no-no. Uh, the Lord sent many prophets to proclaim judgment on him and the people. Um, he ignored them. Adding to his adultery, he started to um, actually kill the prophets, even, that were warning him of these things. Uh, tradition tells us that Manasseh had, a prof, had, had the prophet Isaiah executed by sawing him in half, basically. Um, that's what uh, we've, we've heard, tradition-wise. He, he paid no attention to the Lord's warning, and so the Lord and the Assyrian army attacked him um, and captured the king, and they sent him to Babylon in chains. Okay, this is Manasseh, King Manasseh. And, and while he was there, God really worked on his heart. This is what's amazing here. God really worked on his heart, and he repented of his idolatry. Manasseh did, King Manasseh, and humbled himself and turned to the Lord in the midst of this ordeal. Okay? But this is what's interesting. God restored him back to the throne, and he destroyed the idols and began worshiping the true and living God. Okay? And, um, and the people did the same thing as well. And during those years uh, uh, of change, Josiah was born. King Josiah was born. And, uh, and he grew up as a young child, so he was watching. He didn't, he didn't get to watch how King Manasseh was doing wicked stuff, but he was um, growing up seeing how King Manasseh was doing some great things for the Lord. Um, so the reason why I bring his grandfather up is because I'm, I'm assuming that maybe that influence rubbed off on him, on King Josiah. Um, and as a child, he saw the idols being torn down and focused on the Lord. And the impact would soon be in his reign uh, with King Josiah. So Josiah was around six years old, and his grandfather Manasseh died, okay? And uh, the first uh, five or six years of life, um, I believe, are very crucial in a child's life, and that really builds the, the foundation, the biblical foundation, the, the morals and the values. And I, I really believe that at that time, King Josiah saw that. Uh, I, yeah, King Josiah uh, witnessed that. And what's sad is that his dad, jo King Josiah's dad, Ammon, took reign. Okay, he was 22 years old, but he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did adulterous things, um, and he walked in pride and did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so his two uh, palace servants uh, conspired to kill King Ammon, um, Josiah's dad, and he only reigned for two years. He died. And guess who took over at age eight? 
King Josiah, right? So I tell you that. I know that was a lengthy thing, but I, I think it's important to know the history of where we're going at with him, with King Josiah. And so that leads us to him. Um, and so um, there's definitely an interesting uh, contrast there because he got to see, King Josiah got to see Manasseh who, were, who was tearing down everything, all the idols, and then you get his father who put him back up again. It's crazy how things goes back and forth with that. And so King Josiah, what we see here is something different. So let's look at verse 1 here of, of chapter 22 of 2 Kings. What do we read here? It says, Josiah was eight years old, like I said, when he began to reign, he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah and Abazkath, which, I mean, I'm hoping the mother obviously had an important role too with that um, as well. Uh, verse 2, it says, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of David, his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Now, this is important because uh, the word turn is important in the Hebrew word here, means sar, okay? And what that means is basically it's a stock phrase in the book of Deuteronomy, and it indicates obedience or disobedience. And obviously what we see here with King Josiah, he was obedient because he didn't turn to the right or to the left, right? He stayed focused on God. So Josiah was around 16 or 17 years of age at this, or, um, as we move on here, uh, when he began to seek God more. And then a few years later, he begins to purge Judah of all the idols, of all the idols. Um, you don't have to turn here, but I just want to read you in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, or 34. Uh, it reads here, verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years. Okay, we know that. In Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram and the carved and metal images. And they chopped down the altars of Baal in his presence, and he cut down the incense altars that stood be above them. And he broke in pieces the ashram and carved in the metal images. And he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on, the, on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout the throughout all the land of Israel, then he returned to Jerusalem. So man, he cleaned house, basically. He cleaned house, and that was a good thing. That was a good thing. Um, and so um, as we continue, look at verse 3 now of, of, of 2 Kings 22. I just wanted to read that a little bit so that we understand, again, he, he did do what he was going to do. In the 18th year, so he's about 26 years old right now, okay, of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, son of Meshalem, the secretary, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And let, let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And let, um, I'm sorry, yeah. And let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord repairing the house. Verse 6. That is to the carpenters and the builders and to the masons. 
um, and let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked for them from them for the money that is delivered into their hands, for they deal honestly. So what do we see here at this moment as we look at this? We see that Josiah is wanting to rebuild the temple. That's what he's wanting to do or get it back to where it needs to be, um, back to, up to the standards. It had been neglected and it really had been ruined at that time. And so other altars and idols were taking over. And so as we read in Second Chronicles that he was tearing those things down, burning them basically. And... Um, and so after, after um, uh, and then what I put here too is back to the standards and it was, had been neglected and it had been ruined, like I said. And other altars and idols were taking over and the money was to be used to fix all that. Uh, that's what the money was used for. Um, the uh, Faith uh, Study Bible states this, uh, Faith Life Study Bible. I, I love what it says here. The account of Josiah's rebuilding of the temple has many similarities to the account of Je- Je- Jehoash repairs in, in 12, uh, 2 Kings 12, 4 through 16, he said. Um, both projects are funded by donations collected by the priests who keep the th- uh, to keep the threshold. And the priests then hand those funds over to the workmen who oversee the house of Yahweh, it says. Uh, and they, they in turn allot it to the carpenters, builders, and masons. Um, who buy supplies and make the repairs. In both instances, the priests consider the workmen honest and require no accounting of them at that time. So this money was used, obviously, to do that, uh, to repair it. But this is what's interesting. Um, When we saw in verse 3, we see this man named Shephon, okay? Um, I think this is important to understand here, is who is he? Uh, Well, he was a loyal servant of Josiah, King Josiah, uh, throughout his whole reign that he had. And it was interesting because in, in Jeremiah, we are told that Shephon had a son by the name of uh, Gemariah and, uh, and was a protector of Jeremiah and sought to protect the scroll of the word of God. Uh, he had another son by the name of Ahiakim who served King Josiah as well. And he also protected Jeremiah from those who wanted to harm him. So what we see here. I find it interesting. The reason why I want to bring him up is because he was, King Josiah at a young age, he knew that he needed to be surrounded by trustworthy men, okay? Um, And honest people, honest people that surrounded him. Uh, We need people like Shephon and and, and Gemariah who are in the background and and they, they don't really get any recognition. They don't get any recognition. Maybe you have people like that around you. I don't know if you have trustworthy, honest people around you. I know for, for many years when Crystal and I did uh, BCM, Baptist Campus Ministry, we had um, couples that came through that uh, they met through BCM and they stayed and, and hung out and helped out at BCM and they did a lot of background stuff for us um, to get food ready for Tuesday nights when we had BCM and just other things that were very, that were important, um, but they, 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 we would recognize them, but uh, they always wanted to stay kind of in the background and not be recognized and very trustworthy and honest people very thankful for them. And so who do you surround yourselves with? Do you have that in your life? Do you have those type of people in your life? Let's continue. Let's look at verse 8 here. What does it say here? I find this fascinating. This is a good part here. Well, it's all good, but uh, I just want us to read this. It says in verse 8, And Hilkiah, the high priest, 
Um, which what's interesting about this part really quickly is that his father was the priest and supporter of King David at that, you know, when King David was around and King Solomon. But anyways, this is in Hilkiah, the high priest said to Shephan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Can we just pause there just for a second? What did he just say? He says, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. So I'm, I'm assuming that it was what? What was, what was found, it was what? Lost, right? It was lost. It was gone. They, they didn't even have record of it. King Josiah, all these years, didn't even know that it existed, basically. Um, how did it get lost in the first place? Well, we can assume things. I, I, I don't know. We don't know. We have no record of it. We can, we can make an assumption that maybe it was during King Manasseh's reign after 55 years, you know, when he did corrupt things. He might have lost it at that time. We just don't know. We just don't know. Um, this is a wow moment. I mean, a treasure has just been found, has just been found. And it goes on to say, and Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And he read it. And I wish I knew what Shaphan's reaction was. We don't know. We have no idea what his reaction was. And obviously, I hope we know that the law is the word of God, the Torah, right? We know that. And it says this in verse 9. It says, And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was uh, found in the house and delivered it into the hand of the workmen who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest who has given, who has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. Even though we don't see Shaphan's reaction, we see King Josiah's reaction. Verse 11, what, what, what happened here? He says, when, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, um, he what? He tore his clothes. He tore his clothes. The book of the law, it's interesting, it's, it's called the, the sefer, okay? And, and it is referred to the written scroll. It's the Torah. It's the law. It's the instruction. It's, it's God's word. It's God's word. And so when he tore his clothes, he was in utter humiliation. He was in utter humiliation, conviction, and in anguish, and in anguish. And basically, he trembled. He trembled at hearing the word of God. So we know basically what his reaction was, right? Proverbs 13, 13 says that whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. But he who reveres the commandments will be rewarded. This is key. This is important. Proverbs 16, 9, 20, I'm sorry, 16, 20 says, For whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. These are good wisdom verses. Some scholars believed that it was Deuteronomy that was being read to him of the coming judgment. And some believe that he read, uh, they read, Shephan read uh, Deuteronomy 28 uh, to him of that coming judgment. It reminds me of Nehemiah, if you've ever read Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah went to go rebuild the wall. And the people were grumbling and there was attacks and all that stuff on them. And so what did he do? He had Ezra read the scriptures, read the word of God. And you know what happened there through all that is that even, that ha even when that happened, people just, they rejoiced at first, but then they wept. 
they wept. The, even the, 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 the men that married foreign women, they divorced because after reading God's word, they were like, whoa, we are wrong. We are wrong at what we did. So what does King Josiah do? He commissions five men to go and inquire and obtain prophetic direction, not only for him, but also for Ju- Judah. So let's look at verse 12. It says, And, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahiakim the son of Shephon, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shephon the secretary, and Asiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words in this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. I mean, think about this. The king could easily have tried to fix it himself. Now, men, think about this. I'm I'm guilty of this. I tend to want to fix things right away. But what's interesting here, what does King Josiah do? Go inquire. Go inquire. Get the prophets, get those that, that can inquire here, and we need to know what, what, we need to discern these things. We need to know what to do because there's a coming judgment that is upon us all. Look at verse 14. It says, So Hilkiah the priest and Ahiakim and Akbor and Shaphan and Isaiah went to Holda the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, and the son of Tikva, son of Herhas, keeper of the wardrobe, that's a lot of, a lot of words, right, <laughs> trying to get that. So anyways, um, verse 15, uh, I'm sorry, and the keeper of the wardrobe, now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, it says here, and they talked with her, verse 15, and she said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, tell the man um, who sent you to me, um, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read. Verse 17, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be kindled against this place and it will not be quenched. So what do we see here? It's a, it's, it is amazing that damage can be done, okay, in this, in this type of situation because of past kings doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, um, leaders, whoever, um, that do, and they, they, they mess it up, and it, it has to be good, godly people that sometimes have to pick the pieces back up again. And we see that with King Josiah, you know, a God-fearing man that had to pick up the pieces, but he realizes, man, we're, we're, we're in doom. We're in judgment here. We see that in churches today. Sad to say, we see a lot of churches that have come and gone and have, you know, I, I can't help but think of uh, my, my home church up in Michigan. Um, it was a church that grew to about 2,000, close to 2,000. I had a pastor that was there for 55 years, and he left, and they started getting these pastors in there that just really messed things up throughout the years. And now the church is dwindled down to like, I think it's like, I don't know, 50 people you know, and the struggles and the, the hardships, the, the stuff that happens. You, 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 you know, you need, you need godly leadership. You need godly kings as we see here. It's very key and it's very important. Um, but what we see here is, is, that, um, uh, is that they are, uh, that we see here that they are going to face judgment. But look at verse 18. 
It says, but the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, your, um, verse 19, because your heart was penitent, feeling or expressing sorrow for sin, it says here. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's in, in, in the parentheses here. And you humbled yourself before the Lord. And when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, verse 20, therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. Wow. God spared them, right, for, the, for a moment, for a moment. So a couple things that we can pull from this is that there's no hope. Well, there is hope in Christ, obviously, but there's no hope um, and that, that God is still going to bring disaster to this nation, okay? Uh, there's no holding back his wrath and his rage, and you do not want to deal with his wrath. Praise God for Jesus, right, that took that for us. But there is some mercy since Josiah's heart was soft and he wept and he tore his clothes and he humbled himself before God Um, in, in, in his presence. God spared the king and his people. There's something to say about that. I believe that even for our nation, if we would just humble ourselves before God, he could spare us. D.A. Carson said this, He's a, a theologian, a professor. He says, the aim is never to become a master of the word, but to be mastered by it. Did you hear that? He says, the aim is never to become a master of the word, but to be mastered by it. I hope and pray that we are mastered by it, that we humble ourselves before God, that we recognize that, man, he is our source of strength and hope. If you continue to read uh, about Josiah and his story, it's great. Read the next chapter. I'll let you do that. It's kind of like a to-be-continued thing. I hope you do. Um, We read that uh, he gathers the people. I'll just share a little bit here. He gathers the people and the elders of Judah to read the book of the law together. Um, He leads the people to make a covenant to follow the Lord and to obey his word. He commanded that all the pieces of idolatry be brought out of the temple to continue to be brought out of the temple. There was a lot. Um, He also removed all the the priests of the high places and destroyed various idols and altars. Um, He put away those that were spiritists and mediums and sought to rid the land of household idols. He carried the ashes of the idols to Bethel and there defiled and destroyed um, the altar that King um, Jeroboam I had established. Um, He had then destroyed the shrines in Samaria and executed the priests of those high places. Um, He then commanded the people to keep the Passover. During his reign, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were born. And we know them. The pagan names are what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Um, And Josiah, when when he went into battle... Uh, he died um, against uh, Nietzsche, the Egyptian pharaoh. That's how he died. But you can read that. You can keep reading that in, in further chapters uh, to come. 
But the thing that's interesting about this is that what I love is if you go back to the beginning here, King Josiah did not turn aside to the right or to the left. He was on a mission. He was on a mission. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the road and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said we will not walk in it, it says. That's what the people said. We will not walk in it. But I hope we as a people that we follow those ancient paths. Um, I love... um, and the ancient past, obviously, is the word of God that Jesus has, has given us. I want to just close with this. Um, I, I find it, uh, if you ever get a chance to go on, um, on the, the, it's defendingandcontending.com, if you, if, you, if you can remember. And you type in this tribe. It's pretty cool. It's the Kimyol tribe of Indonesia, okay? And it's fascinating to me because you watch, it's about 10 minutes long, and it's crazy because they are literally getting the Bible in their language for the first time, the New Testament. It's powerful. This happened in 2010. I think it was like March of 2010. And the, the plane was flying around, and, and the people were just celebrating. They were excited. They were just pumped up. You know, they were just like, let's get ready for this. And so the, um, and so the plane obviously landed, the helicopter landed, and the Bibles show up. And it's crazy because you know what they did? They went from rejoicing to weeping. They went to weeping because they're like, we finally have this in our own language. Can you believe that? And you know what they did at that moment? The leaders there, they prayed over those Bibles. They prayed over those Bibles that they would be spread out to their tribe, that more people would come to know Christ. Isn't that amazing? And that just happened in 2010. And this is, this is the sad thing. One of the um, translators said this in the video. She said this. She says, we in the West, we in the West have no idea. Have no idea. We have had the word of God for so long. We have had the word of God, or, or the, I'm sorry, the word for, of God for so long. We have taken it for granted. We have taken it for granted. We have resources. We have translations. And we don't cherish it. We don't cherish it. We don't realize what a precious gift we have and hold in our hands. That's a pretty powerful statement. We're very spoiled, right? (laughs) We have it, and sometimes we just leave it on the shelf and let it collect us, right? When was the last time you wept? When was the last time you looked at this and, man, this is a treasure? I cannot believe that I have this in my hands. So my challenge is for you this morning, um, and my wife is going to come up and sing. I, I, I felt bad. I told Andy at the last minute yesterday, I was like, oh, I got a song. Can my wife sing this? I, I love this song. It's called All I Have is Christ. It's, the chorus is very simple. It says, Alleluia. Um, all I have is Christ. Alleluia. Um, uh, Jesus is my life. That's all it says. It always hits me so hard because it's like, man, God, I can't do anything without you. You know, I can't do anything without you. And I just praise God for what he has done and what he is going to continue to do. Um, You know, and and he's going to continue to wreck me, (laughs) you know, and I got to take it. I got to take it. 
and be humbled by it and to know that, God, you are all that I need. And so I'm going to have Crystal, um, my wife, sing this, and uh, please listen to the words. Listen to the words and and, and how um, just powerful they are.